Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. Hey, have you ever felt like you're the only Christian within your circles of relationship? Maybe like you're trying to follow God, but the people, the voices, and the media around you are in direct opposition to you and your Christian faith. Or maybe there are people around you who profess Jesus as their Lord, just like you do, but when they're making decisions, they're totally compromising in their faith. If you've ever felt that, experienced that, you gotta know today that you're not alone. And we see that fully revealed in God's word. Today, we're looking at the prophet Jeremiah and seeing that even when he lacked camaraderie in his faith, that he still truly wasn't alone. Jeremiah needed one other person to feel the way he felt. But we have plenty of people around us who believe the way that we believe, are holding fast to our convictions, um, and we're not as alone as we sometimes make ourselves out to be. But I just loved how here's Jeremiah in all that aloneness. There's somebody else, though, that was speaking the same kind of words. I've heard people in pastoral ministry say that pastoral ministry specifically can become a lonely ministry. Um, I feel like I kind of read that in the life of Jeremiah, that like prophetic life is pretty lonely. Do you agree with that? Is that something you've kind of experienced? You don't have to go into detail or anything, but does it seem kind of lonely? There's different elements of it. You know, some of it is just related to what any leader would go through yes, you know in a, in a leadership role there are times where though you have affinity for the people mm-hmm. that you're working with though you have a love for the people that you're serving and a real togetherness with them mm-hmm. the reality is you do have to make decisions and oh, sometimes yeah. those decisions are yeah. not uh, loved and cherished by the people that are around you yeah. uh, sometimes you know things that other people don't know as you make those decisions and, and so that, that can be just like a leadership kind of element to what might make um, someone in pastoral work feel a mm-hmm. sense of aloneness. Uh, but I think some of it, yeah, and there are different elements to it besides the, these two, but I think a second one besides the first one I mentioned is similar to what Jeremiah had yeah. going on for him. He was, in a sense, a real solitary voice in that yes. generation that he lived in. There were lots of false prophets. Mm-hmm. And then there was Jeremiah. There were yeah. lots of people saying, peace, peace. Um, and then there was Jeremiah. So he felt an aloneness, I think, because of his message that he spoke. Oh, Fortunately, yeah. he had co-laborers that helped him. And and that's so helpful, I think, in ministry to have good people that you, you know, love and so trust true. who are encouraging you to continue to say those hard things uh-huh. and, and all of that. But yeah, that can be a lonely kind of, you know, feeling. But I think that's yeah. something that Christians could go that's through it. as well, you know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. You know, I think about that a lot with uh with our young adult ministry and younger people oh, yeah. here in the church, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like I wanna help them connect with other believers. I wanna get them into podcasts like this and to sermons and things like that so they can really feel um, community and a sense of like we're all doing this together you know in the christian yeah totally that's so important i'm so glad you have that heart and focus because it's just going it's it's a major way that we get Mm -hmm. through you know times like that and i feel like it's it's definitely been a a um 
angle of my preaching yes, recently. Yes, I have that too. Yeah. Because we've been going through the book of Hebrews as a mm-hmm. church together, and they, in a different way, were feeling marginalized yeah. for their Christianity because they, as Hebrew Christians, mm-hmm. had embraced Jesus as the Christ yeah. Messiah that had been predicted, and they had many friends and family members and societies and yeah. schools and all of that that didn't. And rejected Jesus as the Messiah. Yeah. And that was creating a gap between them and everybody else. Sure. And it was, you know, tempting for them to fudge a little bit on Jesus and to, yes. you know, kind of de-emphasize the cross and who he was and all of that so that they could be more accepted in the environment yeah. and culture that they were living yeah. in. So we've been talking about that subject in a lot of ways, that's not, of course, the main temptation or issue that people mm-hmm. are facing in our Western right. culture today. They're not, you know, it's not a big battle of like, Different hey, you points. said he's the Christ and we don't think he's the Christ. I mean, it, it's more of a, you know, we, we've received Jesus. We believe in the gospel and there are things his word asks us to do yeah. now and it's challenging for us to find acceptance in the society and culture that we live in. You know, the persecution is at a different level in all kinds of different parts of the world. And there are places where it's very serious. So it's not good for people in the West to minimize the experience of others by elevating their own experience. Uh, But there is that sense or that feeling of marginalization, but that's Mm -hmm. just normal to Christianity over the, you know, centuries. I love to talk about Jeremiah for a second. You yeah. know, he, he's a prophet, a man of God. Um, I thought we could talk about just his role as a prophet. I know some of us, when we hear the word prophet, may have our own kind of ideas of what that is. And when you read the book of Jeremiah, you might think, why did Jeremiah want to be a prophet? Or like, why, why was he a prophet? It seems like he kind of <laughs> chose a very unpopular vocation, you know, mm-hmm. Um a vocation that would kind of lead to isolation in some kind of ways. But maybe you could just kind of let us into that particular part of his life for a moment. What motivated him to move forward with God? And what was just kind of the role of a prophet? Were you called into that? Did you just take it up? What is that? Yeah. Well, Jeremiah certainly didn't choose this role. God chose it for him. In fact, he balked at the role a little bit Mm. and didn't really want to do it. He felt too young for the job. Mm. But God said, no, I've formed you, I've fashioned you, I've known you from your mother's womb, I've destined you for this call. I like the first line of the article that I wrote. I said, Jeremiah, like most of the prophets, was a solitary pillar of truth in a wasteland of doctrinal deception. I just like that line, you know, (laughs) just thinking about this guy. Because he lived at a time where the people in Judah, which encompassed Jerusalem, had been disobedient to God for so long. Hmm. And they'd already watched their Israelite neighbors to the north through their own disobediences receive the discipline of God through Assyrian kings in their history. So Jeremiah rose and had a message from God that said, here in Judah, we are now going to experience the mm-hmm. discipline of God through the Babylonian kings. Yeah, uh, It's sure it's mm. going to happen. We are going to be carried away into captivity. Yeah. You should just go. <laughs> you should 
you know, build homes and gardens and plan to live your life in Babylon because it's just the reality. You know, God is going to drive us from this land for a period of 70 years. But people didn't want to hear that message. Yeah. So that's where the false prophets came onto onto the scene to combat the message of Jeremiah. That's one way that you can identify false prophets a lot of times too. They don't have their own message. You know, it's it's all what's the truth, let's attack that, you know. So Jeremiah, you know, had to listen to all these other guys with Mm. creative, prophetic looking flair. Yeah. Announce to the leadership and the citizens in Jerusalem and the outskirts say, Jeremiah's lying. It's not true. God loves us. This is a peaceful time. Mm. Uh, things are fine. We're not going anywhere. Uh, but over and over again, Jeremiah just had to watch them wow. persist in an unwillingness to submit to God's discipline, which just led to catastrophe oh, for yeah. them. Because when Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came, life was just made way more difficult because they resisted than had yeah. they just surrendered and submitted themselves hmm. to that discipline that came. So Jeremiah had to watch that. He watched yeah. people you know, carried off into captivity. He watched people die. He watched kings die. He watched betrayals happen. He watched all this happen until he finally himself was not carried off to Babylon, but was himself uh, still kind of like a refugee in his mm-hmm. own land. Yeah. Okay. And then he still is giving people advice, you know, and they're, mm-hmm. and they're asking him what we should do. What should we do? Should we go down to Egypt? Should we not? And still he, they will not listen to yeah. his words. Yeah. So he just was a guy who he just kept telling the truth. People kept on ignoring him. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, we call him the weeping prophet. Say, he wrote the book of lamentations. Yeah. Right. You know, chapter three, because the rest of the chapters are just a bummer. <laughs> I mean, he's just sad. Yeah. It's, he's just so broken hearted over yeah. what he sees. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, he, he exemplified to the max that beatitude from Christ. Blessed are those who mourn. That's good. Yeah. Jeremiah mm-hmm. saw things that should make, a believer cry oh, yeah. and he cried mm-hmm. and it was just a constant thing Man. in his life and just very alone thrown <laughs> down into a pit thrown into dungeons yeah. you know like i said he had a few buddies that were with him and helping him but no one could do those things for him he just was a, a lot of times just suffering alone speaking yeah. alone writing alone Man. and uh no one else was saying the kinds of things he was saying Right. Or so it seems. Or so then it there's seems. this little verse here in <laughs> Jeremiah 26, verse 20, on which my whole article is based, yeah. where it says, There was another man who prophesied in the name of the Lord, Uriah the son of Shemaiah from Kiriath-Jerim. He prophesied against this city and against this land in words like those of Jeremiah. He's on the scene for a very brief <laughs> amount of time uh, and eventually is not spoken of uh, anymore. And he, uh, he actually for the same message that he was speaking like Jeremiah, he actually was killed for the message. He died. God preserved Jeremiah's life over and over again, but he did not preserve Uriah's life and Uriah died. But I just loved how here's Jeremiah in all that aloneness 
there's somebody else though that was speaking yeah. the same kind of words you know who had the same message that jeremiah had and i just imagine uriah being a real source of encouragement yeah for, I think so too. Um, jeremiah i mean at, at, on one hand it would have been encouraging because over and over again in biblical literature the idea is by the mouth of two or three witnesses every mm -hmm. word will be established so here's a second witness to jeremiah's witness one you know yeah. so it's like you got witness one jeremiah witness two uriah so i think that was a blessing for jeremiah you know Amen, like okay yeah. we're both testifying to this thing i'm not as alone as i thought i was but also just encouraging for his own heart you know that all right, God is doing this through other people as well. Mm. I'm not everybody disagrees with me. There are people who uh, see things the way that I'm seeing things and and are wanting to love and serve the Lord mm. in the way that I am. And I think that would have encouraged him as well. Oh, amen, man. You know, I, I think about this whole situation and just kind of think about like my own life and think about the people I know. And I just know it can be like sometimes it can. I mean, Jeremiah felt the aloneness for sure, but he also felt the discouragement, I think is what you're kind of alluding to earlier and probably the, in a real sense, like a, a depression, a sadness for what was going on. So his isolation was just getting attacked on all these different angles, you know? And for a lot of us, I think that when we feel that way, we feel like, am I really obeying the Lord? Mm. Did I hear correctly? <laughs> is, uh, is what God speaking to me, is it really true, you know? Or am I just like, out in nowhere's land, just kind of trying to follow the Lord, but man, I'm just off base, you know? And I think for Jeremiah, it was really encouraging to see another person. Um, in the article, you talk about how there's, you, you can find people who really do hold to God's word, but maybe you can just speak for a moment for somebody who's thinking like, man, I, I do just feel really alone in my faith. Am I still going the right way? How can we know that we are going maybe the right way and following the Lord <clears throat> or believing the right things about the Lord? What's like our true compass or true north in knowing that we're really believing the right things about the Lord? You know, to be honest, Riley, I've been thinking about this lately, and one major word of advice yeah. is read your Bible. Just read your Bible. Just huh? read your Bible because there are so many um, pseudo scholars mm -hmm. and authors yep. that are naming the name of Christ who uh, I'll read it a little bit later from second Peter they just totally fit the description of mm -hmm. people who will come in the last days to try to deceive you and try to bend the scripture yeah. to make you get off your game but I think the people that are ripest for that deception are people who just don't spend time in the word yeah you don't read the Bible you're not going to have much of a clue when people come along with their arguments. Now you might say, well, I mean, they're coming along, they're talking about like in the original Greek, it says this, and I have no idea, you know, whether to know whether that's right or mm. not. But what part of what reading the whole Bible will do for you is it will just give you this whole picture grid mm. that when someone comes yeah. along trying to manipulate one phrase or one yes. word, you kind of get the whole picture and you realize like, oh, like this even if what they were saying was true, uh, the whole tidal wave of God's word yeah. isn't coming anywhere close to communicating that idea that yeah. they're trying to get me to believe in through the twisting of this one word. Yeah. So I think that's a big one. Read your Bible. For sure. And then I, I think 
uh, a second one is find people who have a high regard of scripture rather than a low regard of scripture. Um, and what I mean by that is when you find pastors like that or authors like that or professors, teachers like that, they will become a source for you of others that you can be reading mm-hmm. and thinking about and listening to that will help you be surrounded with the right kinds of voices yeah. that are building up your faith. Uh, so that's a that's another one. Go to your own pastors and your own church leadership mm-hmm. and ask them, who, who are some good people for me to listen to? Yeah. Who are some good people for me to read? Uh, because if, if your whole thing is just, you know, mm-hmm. to do an internet search and just, you know, find the, oh, these yeah. voices for yourself. Um, you know, he, here's my thought, you know, it's, it's a, if everything that, that Christianity historically has taught is true, then what we believe is that there is a devil who is actively mm-hmm. trying to deceive human mm-hmm. beings and that he's moving the course of world mm-hmm. affairs on a world system to raise up human beings who will engage with him in that process. Wow. So just because somebody, you know, has the clerical collar, mm-hmm. just because somebody uh, has the religious degrees or something like that, doesn't mean that they are actually an expert in the field that they're communicating about. It yeah. could be very well be that they are being raised up to try to lead people astray. Mm-hmm. And it could be a systematic, strategic effort of the enemy to try to get that purpose accomplished in people's lives. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, it you know does happen quite often in people's lives. So ask, you know, solid pastors that you're, you know, with and sitting mm-hmm. under, ask them, like, who who should I be reading? Who should yeah. I be listening to? What do you think about this doctrine? What do you think about that mm-hmm. that doctrine? Don't just by yourself uh, let this percolate in your heart. Oh, yeah. And then another uh, strong, I think, word of advice that I would give is um, if, it, if a, an idea or a new angle on scripture, if it is more satisfying to your flesh than what you've been taught or what was yeah. before, you should really watch slow out. down. Yeah, watch out for that. You know, it, it, maybe you believe something or were taught something that was too stringent, too strict, mm-hmm. but by and large, these false doctrines come along and they aren't making things harder they're making things easier. They're turning the narrow path into a broad path. Yeah. Uh, they're turning the difficult way into an easy way. So you have to really make sure that you're paying attention to that. Uh, That's good. You know, whether it's making it easier or not. I mean, think about Jeremiah and his day. You know, Jeremiah was the true prophet because he was saying hard things. I mean, he was saying what God wanted him to yeah, say, though. That's right. what made him the real prophet of God. But but God was asking him to say hard things. Yeah, he was. And then you had other prophets come along who were saying easy things. The way that it's said often in the prophets is, they healed the wounds of my people lightly. Mm. So what they need is full-on ER, right. you know. But what these yeah. false prophets come along do is just kind of dab the forehead of the mm. person who is just decimated by the train wreck of sin and they just yeah. pat their forehead with a you know little thing and put a little band-aid on them and say 
it's fine. There's not really a problem here. So you just have to watch out, I think, for that. Like if you're does if you're looking into the word trying to say, like, surely this thing that I want to the Bible to say, it's gotta say it somewhere. And you're finding trying to find people who will think that way with you. Yeah. Just be cautious about that. You're Mm. you're desiring those doctrines. Yes. You know, it says of the church in Pergamos in the book of Revelation. It's really interesting, you know, they were they were a bad church. You know, there were seven churches Jesus spoke to in Revelation 2 and 3. But it says of the church in Pergamos, they, they adopted these new doctrines, right. teaching of Balaam and uh, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. And then he says, so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. Mm. The whole idea was let's embrace this teaching so that we can do something. Wow, And that's what the church in Pergamos had slipped into also. There was something they wanted to do, so they had to embrace a teaching first so that they could do the thing they wanted to do. You know, so I want to march in that parade and show that kind of support. So I've got to first believe a doctrine before I can do that thing. So you really have to watch out for that. Got to watch out for it. Um, I think it's probably important to note too that the Christian life if you if you if you're a new Christian listening to this, uh, just because you believe in God's word and you're trying to follow the Lord does not mean that you're going to be isolated from every single person in your life. That there's a beautiful element to the church where we strive together, we suffer together, we live together, we serve together, and so there are other people who do um, value God's word, but. Oh yeah, might absolutely. Have to, might have to find them. You know, this is an extreme just, case. I was just yeah. reading a little excerpt from a book to my girls this morning at the breakfast table, and uh, I was surprised to learn this. But it was mm. uh, it was a, a book that gave a reference to another book written by a professor mm. at um, UC Santa Barbara. Okay. Uh, who and he's a professor emeritus of history and something else, um, but this guy. In a book that he wrote, his research showed that 40% of scientists practicing natural science today mm-hmm. are um, in some way affiliated with the Christian faith. Interesting. Yeah. And huh. I, don't, I don't know like where he got those numbers, but it was good to see. I mean, this isn't just, yeah. you know, somebody coming up with numbers out of thin air. You got a professor from UCSB, you know, making a claim like that in his book. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I mean, this is like a a thing that we sometimes will do is we'll kind of feel like we are the extreme minority, like where Jeremiah needed one other person (laughs) to feel the way he felt. But we have plenty of people around us who believe the way that we believe, are holding fast to our convictions, um, and we're not as alone as we sometimes make ourselves out to be. Part of the reason for that, of course, is because the culture has shifted away from Christianity Mm -hmm. so rapidly over the last you know, five years, 10 years, 20 yes, years, 30 years, 40 it. years. It's yeah. just really happened rapidly for a lot of people. Um, so there, there's a little bit of panic attached to yeah. it. But, you know, kids that are growing up today, it's like there's no departure. They just gr- have grown up in an yeah. environment where Christianity is an oddity mm-hmm. and is not seen as something viable to believe right. in. Yeah. And so it's nothing new for yes. them. Hey, just want to take a quick second to remind you about what's going on at nateholdridge.com this week. Pastor Nate just released an article called Get Your Head Up. This is straight from the book of Hebrews. 
It's all about what God is intending to do in our lives, the things that he has saved us from and saved us for. And this is so important for us to hear. Man, life can be really difficult. Life is um, full of difficult things like debt or loss or losing a relationship or struggling to find work. So many different things can come into our lives that are discouraging, that make us feel like maybe our lives don't have purpose, like they're insignificant. But what we're reminded about in this article are direct truths from God's Word, that God has a mission and a purpose for our lives, that He has created us to rule and to have dominion over the earth, and that He has created us just a little bit lower than the angels. He has given us such a unique responsibility on this earth to partner with God in his mission to see this world flourish and to see people come to know him and to experience joy in life here and today. So if you're feeling down today, rest assured you can get your head up today by remembering the truths found in God's word. His spirit is with you and he loves you today. So check out the article when you get a chance. But for now, let's get back into the episode for today. I thought we could just wrap this up, just kind of going back to the Bible. And I'd be curious about your experience with the Bible a little bit. Um, just thinking about somebody who's listening to this, who is just looking for maybe a particular book of the Bible to get started and just really finding some like good, maybe like doctrine, some good theology about God. Nate, for you in your life, what what have been like a couple books of the Bible um, that have really spoken to you, that have helped you maybe understand your Christian faith like on a really deeper level, just like on a personal level, and maybe helped you just understand who God is in the face of, like kind of what we were talking about, in the face of culture that kind of tries to soften it. Sure. Well, I mean, Hebrews tells us that in the last days, God spoke to us not through the prophets, but by, through his son. Hmm. So reading the Gospels is always really clarifying and helpful to get yeah. a real actual picture of who Jesus is. Um, but I think as far as like the Christian faith is concerned, when you get into the epistles, that's really where you start seeing, this is what we believe. This is, these are the doctrines that we are holding on to, you know? So there's really none of the epistles that I would not recommend. I mean, I would, how how was that for the double negative? I would recommend (laughs) every epistle, you know, for somebody to read. Um, but you know, getting into Romans has always meant a lot to me in my mm-hmm. Christian yeah, life, too. you know, learning what the gospel has done, learning uh, the brokenness of humanity and, you know, how to walk with the Lord in a lot of ways. First and second Corinthians have always been really helpful because they cover a multitude of subjects that are relatable to me in the situation that I'm living in here in California. Um, Ephesians has been powerful. Colossians mm-hmm. has been powerful. Um, but I think you could, you could get away with reading any of the epistles in the new Testament and, and really grow, but really all of scripture helps give that, you know, clarifying, Hmm. you know, idea of who God is. I just today actually finished my most recent reading through the Bible and, uh, am just going to start over again tomorrow. (laughs) And it's just so great to just, you know, keep on getting into the word, letting it saturate into your heart. 
But those epistles and the life of Christ, what they'll do for you is they'll help anchor you when you're going through so much of the Old Testament and kind of see the full picture of like where everything was going in that era is leading to Christ and leading to those doctrines that we have in the New Testament era. Yeah, I just wanted to close. I don't know if this is going to be bad radio (laughs) or not, but I was so impressed recently with 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's go. It just sounds so much like what we're bombarded with a lot Mm -hmm. right now, and I think it's just a good passage for Christians to just consider when thinking about the voices that are flying Mm -hmm. around right now. So I know this is making this episode of our show a little bit lengthy, but... If I could just read this, Second Peter chapter 2, he says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. In other words, they'll have a big following leading to big money. Yeah. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Mm. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained for greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. Mm -hmm. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom. That's so often the message that is being given from false teachers today. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of of corruption. The, The image I have of so many false teachers is of a slave on a slave ship calling out to the shore, follow me. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. 
For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit. And the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Sometimes people say, I just love the New Testament because I can't handle the heat of the Old Testament. Well, we just read it's hot, man. a little New Testament. It's fire. Peter had something to say about the false teachers in his era and in ours. Thanks for tuning in today. If you'd like to hear some more content from Pastor Nate, please subscribe to the Jesus Famous Podcast. Each week we'll be posting conversations just like the one you just heard, as well as some live readings that Pastor Nate is posting a couple times a week. For any more articles, books, or resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com. Catch you next week.